Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a certified brand strategist and business coach. You might be wondering why the second phase? The second phase may be a change in careers and learning how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship, a significant lifestyle change, going from stay-at-home parent to starting a business, a traumatic loss, a move, or an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition, you are here to discover your second phase. Learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact to grow as your authentic selves and follow your callings, values, visions, and passions, and to learn how to build a solid foundation for long-term brand and business success. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. You ready to learn? Grab your coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Second Phase Podcast. Today, I have a new guest with me, and I, of course, as you know, am excited to have her because that's just who I am. I'm always excited to meet new people and share their wisdom and everything with you. So today... I have a guest who is obsessed with helping women succeed and excel in business and in life. She's a serial entrepreneur, a speaker, consultant, and most importantly, a believer in the amazing power of the human spirit. She helps women grow their businesses beyond what they thought possible. So without further ado, Maureen, will you please introduce yourself? Absolutely, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Maureen Borzicello, and I am the founder and CEO of Maureen Borzicello, Inc. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have grown and scaled seven-figure businesses, and now my mission, as Robin said, is to help women entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses really to the highest level of profit and revenue that they want. And I say that because I recognize that not everybody wants to have a million dollar business or beyond that. But profitability, even if you don't want to scale to a seven figure business is also important. So thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here, Robin. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. I know you're a very busy woman and I know that you're doing a lot behind the scenes to support other women and really help give them a voice in the industry, right? And I would love for you to tell everybody just a little bit about your journey. You're a serial entrepreneur, but where did that begin? How did you begin this journey into the phase that you're in today? Sure. Great question. So I spent the first portion of my life in corporate America. I worked for a company and ultimately went on to run a multi-million dollar trade show and exhibit company in the live experiential marketing space. I really decided as I wanted to start a family, I wanted options. And at that point, I was working, you know, insane hours for someone else. And I wanted to take control of my own destiny. And I also wanted to do things a little bit differently. I really wanted to craft a company that aligned with the values that I brought to the table and the things that I found were important to my clients. So Fast forward, I decide to go out on my own, create this platform, create this mission, start a family, check, check, check. And 
as I was growing that business and scaling it, we went from one room in my home to our first building to subsequent buildings. And it was during that time of growing from like that $350,000 business up that I discovered that there was this whole other world of opportunity of other women entrepreneurs that were out there growing and scaling and struggling like I was. And that was when my passion for mentoring and helping other women kicked in. It was also when I learned to ask for help, which was a really hard thing. So I transitioned and I grew that company. And I don't know how far you want us to dive into that process, but I went on to grow that business and break my first million dollars in 2006. And then we went on to scale to a multi-million dollar company. What got me to this point in time was honestly a family tragedy. One of my brothers was in a really horrific car accident, broke his neck, and was in ICU for a couple of weeks unconscious. And It left him a quadriplegic and it was horrifying. And as the oldest of seven and kind of that type A personality, like I'm the doer. So if I'm not doing something, I feel useless. And so I was at the hospital every day and I have one other brother that's kind of like me. And so we would tag team who was handling insurance, who was handling this. And he was also a small business owner. So we were trying to help out with that. And he got moved to Philadelphia to McGee Spinal Rehabilitation Hospital, which is an amazing hospital. And he was still on the ventilator. He had come out of you know the coma by then. And I just remember one night sitting there because I'd work all day, I'd go to the office, you know, at that point, once he was stabilized. And then by midday, I'd go down to the city and be with him. And it was evening, the sun was about to set, he's breathing on this machine. And I'm just looking at him. And all of a sudden, I I have this revelation to say, like, what am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? If I left this world Did I really leave the mark that I know I was destined to leave? And I had always had this passion for mentoring and helping women. In fact, for five or six years, I would go to events and I'd come back and I'd make notes. What was really great about this event or conference? What did I think they missed the mark on? And I started to build out this platform for women entrepreneurs that I would do someday, you know, with my air quotes, when I had time. So as I looked at my brother, Brian, I just thought, it's time. I'm selling my company. I know that I don't have the time to do both because I was too entrenched in the day-to-day. And I went home and I told my husband, like, look, this is what I want to do. And we had a lot invested in this. I mean, this was the primary source of income for our family. And I set out, I made a list of six people that I thought would be great partners to me. And ended up with three offers, took my book of business and my clients, and I went on with the intention to run their entire global development and play in the rain and make that time to bring my passion project to life. And then COVID-19 hit. 
and I got laid off. I was part of the second round and it was horrifying for them because they had these great grandiose plans and they were a much bigger company than mine. But I was opening up, you know, other doors that they had never considered pursuing because I had that expertise. And so it was sad for them, but they had to fight to stay alive. It was initially stunning for me because uh, I negotiated kind of a back end deal where I had, you know, some upfront, but I had a lot riding on the back end. And so I just kind of laughed and said, all right, God, I hear you. It's time. I have time. And so I set out on the mission to bring this all to life because what I know, Robin, is that we get stuck at different times in the journey, whether it is startup, whether it is scaling and growing. There are so many things. And if I could help women avoid the landmines that I detonated many a time, then that would be amazing. And I'd love to see women grow and succeed. I'd love to see more seven-figure businesses, but that's kind of how I got to this point. I love it. Oh my gosh. You said so many things that were so beautiful. And you know, so many of us, Maureen, sit on that calling. We sit on what God's trying, like he's nudging us and pushing us and he's telling us what to do by all these messages that we're receiving, you know, externally or through our own heart and dreams. And yet we sit because we're afraid. And so I love that you're taking your experience and your own self-realization to now help other women do the same thing. And you're right. How many times have we detonated that bomb? Ooh. And you know, we have set our own selves up for failure, either because of what we have done or what we haven't done within our business that could have scaled us, but we were afraid to do it. So I just love what you're doing so much. So I so want to dive into your key pillars of success that can lead to seven figure businesses. But let's talk a little bit about this data that really kind of nudged you forward. Because as women business owners, we're a minority to start with, but we also aren't making anywhere near what male owned businesses are making. So let's talk about that. I'm such a data geek. Like I love statistics and learning these things. So, because I think they help us launch ourselves forward. When we start to see something, I know you're competitive, like I'm competitive. So if somebody's <laughs> going to tell me, oh, you can't do that. You want to watch me? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Indeed. so let's talk about this data a little bit. And then just to put everything in perspective, like where you're coming from. So it's an amazing question. And I love the data too. I love and hate the data actually, because here's what the data shows. And this is actually what the wake-up call was for me. I entered a competition for women entrepreneurs. And the long story short, I was at $357,000 in revenue. And the goal of this competition was to help women declare their intention to grow their business to a million dollars or beyond. And it was called Make Mine a Million Dollar Business. The founding sponsor was American Express. It was a really cool competition where like, American Idol met The Apprentice, if you could think of those two shows. But anyway, what the important piece of it was, was this data. And at that time, the data was that there were, gosh, there were about 8 million women-owned businesses 
and only 2.7% were a million dollars or beyond in revenue. And that was back in 2005 when I entered and won that competition. The realization of that shocked me that there were that many women-owned businesses and that such a small percentage actually got to a million dollars or beyond. But now let's bring it to current day data. It's still shocking. There are almost 11 million women-owned businesses in this country, just in the United States, and only 1.7% now have ever gotten to a million dollars or beyond in revenue. And even more staggering is the fact that 88% of those 11 million never gross more than $100,000 in annual sales. Wow. That's crazy. So that means that 12% of 11 million businesses do $100,000 or more in gross annual revenue, and only 1.7% ever break the seven-figure mark. That's insane that in this day and age, we're still struggling with this data. And so I absolutely want to shift and change that. And I want to help women who would love to break that first million, break into that top 1.7% And I'm really excited to help others get higher up because as I said at the beginning, what I have discovered is that having your own business gives you as the entrepreneur, the freedom to choose how far you want to take it. But I will say getting to a million doesn't mean that your problems end. It actually means your problems begin in a much bigger way because it means you have a lot more employees. You're paying a lot more taxes. You need more space. You have more logistics associated with the products and services you sell. But at the same time, think about that. You're a job creator. This pandemic that we've been going through has also shown us and reminded a lot of people that 60, over 60% of the jobs in the United States come from small business. Uh Crazy when you think about how many people work for big corporations. So the data Uh is there. The data is staggering. But the good news is women continue to start businesses at twice the rate of their male counterparts. We are starting to move the needle. There are programs and awareness when you do business, for example, with large corporations where there are metrics and guides in place, especially for publicly traded companies, where they have to show that they're doing X percent of business with women or minority-owned businesses. So there are things that are changing but I'd love to help move the needle forward in that category for sure. It really makes me empowered and crazy at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, pendulum is swinging back and forth rapidly, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I think this is really important for the people listening, because a lot of the people that are listening, I mean, I work with women who are trying to find their second phase, like that second yes. career. What what can they do with their life and how can they make an impact on the world? So, you know, they're in corporate, they're listening to this, or maybe they're already on their entrepreneurial journey, but they're not sure 
where they want to go or how far they want to go and all of those questions, you know, just percolating inside their mind. What is one of the reasons that women are staying below that 100K mark? Why is it that only 12% are reaching that mark? And why is it that so many people are staying underneath there? Is it because they're just accepting that this is where they are and they're satisfied with that level of income? Are there obstacles that they're facing that are preventing them from moving forward? Or is it that you know, the majority of them are in the Midwest where the cost of living is lower. So they're just more satisfied. Like what are some of the reasons for this? It's a great question. So I think that there's many answers, but generally speaking, I think there's a few key things. Number one, women are very adverse to taking on financial risk. So they bootstrap And I was one of them. I didn't understand for years the difference between good debt and bad debt. Bad debt is running up your credit cards, your personal credit cards, and using it to buy and spend for your business. Good debt is developing a line of credit or taking out a loan like to execute on a specific marketing plan. But I think that's a great segue to my second point. What I have found and what a lot of research shows is that small business owners in general, but then particularly women, are unsure as to how to specifically and effectively market their companies. You, I'm sure, deal with that frequently. Your background is marketing. You're helping people with that. I think that that's part of it is what are the right vehicles? And they throw a lot of money here and there, but there's not a succinct plan. I think the other big piece of this looping actually and related to the finance thing is when they're ready to take on financing, access to capital for women still sucks. There is still a very big disparity in women's ability to get money. And in fact, I talk a lot about it and it is one of, you know, the key pillars. So I'll segue into that. Like one of them is really understanding your financial picture and preparing for your financial needs before you need them. And what I mean by that is you really want to build the muscle of understanding the key components of your financial situation, your sales, your expenses, what your plans are to grow and scale, how it's working, and develop a relationship with your banker before you need them. Because once you start taking on water and you're starting to sink is not when you go to ask for money because typically you are not going to get it. You know, what's that saying? They smell desperation. So when, when you really need it is not when you want to prepare. The other thing I'll share from my own experience is when you establish a business line of credit, be very careful what you choose to use it for. Don't do what Maureen did once and buy thirty dollars or $35,000 worth of office furniture as we were growing because I thought it would be really great if it all matched and looked really nice. And so instead of getting a fixed-term loan and paying it off, I used my business line of credit. And then when we had a cash flow crisis, I had no backup plan because I used it on furniture. So that was an awkward learning 
lesson that I had to navigate through. <laughs> so, you know, one of the key pillars really is, is knowing your numbers. And I know it can be scary. I have mentored or coached more women that move maybe from the shoebox to the Excel spreadsheet, but they're afraid to look at the data. In fact, actually, there's an interesting study that shows that 60% of business owners would prefer not to look at their numbers because they're afraid of what the picture will tell them. So they will just put their head down and just make sure that they can hit payroll, pay the rent, you know, keep the lights on and just kind of take it week to week, month to month. And in fact, most businesses, I don't know if you know this, only have about 23 days of cash reserves on hand. That's it. Wow. That's why the pandemic kicked so many people's butts, you know, because nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it. Even if you knew your numbers, nobody saw a shutdown coming. But most Mm -mm. businesses only have 23 days of liquidity on hand for survival. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So knowing your numbers is so significant. I mean, it you really have to have that financial intelligence, I would say, when you're starting a business. You can't go into this blindly. You have to have expectations that are realistic and you have to know what's going to come in and what's going to go out. And that's going to shift, right? As you start your business, you're going to have more expenses come up that you had not even dreamt of because you didn't know you had to have a system for this and you didn't know you had to have a system for that. So all those things are, you have to face that up front. Okay. So what are some of the other pillars? So some of the other pillars, number one is getting a very solid understanding of your sales and marketing plan and strategy. And, you know, peeling that onion will take a while, but the biggest things that I have discovered is that over 50% of businesses don't even know who their ideal client avatar or audience is. And that to me is 101. Like that is the most critical piece of marketing. And let's be real. If you can't market your business effectively, you are not going to bring in qualified leads and therefore you're not going to convert as much to sales. And sales is the money. Sales is the engine that runs this ship. You know, it is not going forward without an infusion of cash. And so when you look at your sales and marketing plan, there's several buckets, right? It's number one, understanding your ideal client really in detail, every nuance about them, then it's how do you speak to them? How do you integrate your messaging to them? Because if you think of a dartboard or a bullseye, you're shooting for the middle. I think it's red in the middle or yellow. Mm -hmm. I think it's red, but you know what I'm saying. And then the darts are going to hit around. And so when you're marketing, you're shooting for the middle but you're going to get a few on the peripheral that may not be your 100% ideal fit, but you always want to be shooting for the person who gets you, who gets your product or service, who aligns with your core values and your mission and purpose, and who comes back time and time again to spend money with you, whatever your product or service is. So that's number one. Number two is then how do you speak to them? How does your packaging speak to them? How do your email communication speak to them? Do you have a client experience or client engagement 
strategy. What do I mean by that? If you're listening, what I'm saying is from point A, they are a prospect. Let's say they go to your website. What is that experience? You give them something to sign up, a newsletter, things like that, a promotion. From that point, they are in your system as a prospect until they buy. What are the touch points every step of the way? So they say your first engagement is your anchor date. So how do you build out off of that? Three days later, five days later, a month later, what does it look like? What are those touch points going to be? And how do you communicate? Great news is there's a lot of amazing automated processes out there and systems that once you define this and you plug it in, it's plug and play. So that is the next part of your umbrella of sales and marketing as a key pillar. How do you make this autopilot to a large extent? How do you have the systems and processes in place so that your entire team knows what their role responsibility is and what the engagement is from marketing and a sales standpoint for prospects and for existing clients? Again, Robin, because you love data, did you know I'm not 100% if it's 62 or 63%. There was a survey done. I think I read it in Harvard Business Review because I love geeking out on all their data reports. And it said basically to the effect that they did a survey of customers and why they leave companies and go to another company and start to give another business their business. And you know what the answer was? Because they never hear from them. Mm-hmm. What is the most money we spend? It's on client acquisition. It's on the marketing. So imagine you actually get the client. They have purchased from you, but you don't have a plan in place to stay in touch with them. And so you're no longer top of mind and you move on. So sales and marketing is a huge pillar, having a really succinct strategy and plan. The second bucket is mindset. It's personal mindset and growth. It's what are you doing as that CEO to take care of you as that woman who is likely juggling caregiving in some capacity, whether it is for a child, a family member, you know, you have all these other roles and responsibilities typically. So how are you investing in you? How are you making time for yourself? How are you priming your own mind, which then can impact all of the areas of your life. How do you look at your systems and processes, your operations? That's another key pillar. What are all of the systems and processes that flow through your business? And how does that impact the HR side? We take a deep dive into the people part, the culture. How do you recruit, hire, train? How do you go from founder to CEO. You know, we all start small. We all start with, you know, the first round of friends and family, right? We hire someone or someone's kid, you know, a cousin, a neighbor, and then what do we do with them? How do we make sure that our team is aligned in the right seats on the bus? And what happens when you grow? And they were really great when you were small, but they are not going to be the next manager or they are not going to be the next supervisor because it's not in their DNA. How do you navigate that? Because you have a 
tighter personal relationship usually with your first round of staff. Mm-hmm. And then the other pillar is leadership. It's how are you developing and evolving as a leader? How are you looking at your business? What time are you setting aside to work on the business, not just in the business? And what are your thoughts about, is this a legacy business? What's the plan? If you jump in your car and you don't know where you're going, or you think, yeah, we're going to go to California. Okay. How, how are you getting there? Are you driving to the airport to get on a plane? Are you driving across the country? If so, do you know how? There's got to be a destination so that you can define a route. And just like the GPS will recalculate, we're going to have moments when we recalculate. But understanding if it's a legacy business or a business you're building to sell is a big deal because they're two different animals. So what do I mean by that? I started my business as a legacy business. I never thought about selling it. My trade show and event business, I never went into it thinking about selling it. But a few years down the road, I was like, well, wait a second. You put in all this work. What's the end game? Do I think I want my son to take over this company someday? Do I think I would want to sell it? And then I had a great conversation with my accountant. And he said, you really have to think about both because they're two different ways of operating. Legacy is more of a lifestyle business. You're going to leverage all of the legal, maximum legal expenditures that you can. On the flip side, if you're growing to sell, You want to ensure that your costs are as low as possible, as tight as you can, and you want to make sure that your profits are as high as you can. And so that looks a little bit different. And so it's just knowing what is it that you want out of this and setting up the infrastructure to do it. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, totally makes sense. And I think it depending on what line of business you're in and say you're in corporate now, you're working nine to five and you have a great job, but you have all these experiences and you want to take them from that to start something of your own. I think it's important to look at that. Like, are you creating like a brand agency or I shouldn't say a brand agency, like a boutique agency, or are you creating a product or are you creating something that can actually be extrapolated out with such depth that it could be sold off? You know, like sometimes I wonder, I've often thought about this for myself because I never, ever thought about selling my business when I was, you know, first starting in the photography realm and just doing branding photography now that I have the coaching side and we actually have like the boutique agency where we're doing the websites and the graphic design and everything that goes along with that. It's like, hmm, I really am building something that could potentially be spun off someday exactly, or sold off. So I think sometimes we start out with something in mind, but as we learn and as we grow and as we start to share more and more of our experiences and we transition as an entrepreneur into the CEO, you start to see different opportunities. So I think it's important and I didn't do this. And I think it's something that people should sit and consider before they start their business. You know, it's kind of like thinking about, well, am I going to be a sole proprietor? Am I going to be an LLC? Am I going to, you know, what are you going to do? Think about that first. Like, what is your long-term goal? And a lot of my clients, I see this, they haven't done their long-term planning. It's going to shift. Like you said, (laughs) things are going to change. You're going to pivot throughout the course of it, but you should have some sort of plan at the beginning that you can then pivot from, right? If that 
should happen. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So you talked a little bit about the ideal avatar, you know, with the marketing component of it. And from a brand perspective, I always say you really can't market until you have a brand. Like you have to have something to market. And, you know, that's what I focus on is creating that brand so that you can create a marketing strategy and it becomes a brand marketing strategy because your brand has to be the root of it, right? But you can't do that unless you know have complete clarity of what it is you do, you know, who you are, why you do it and why does it matter? And then who is it that is going to (laughs) care? Who is it that is just waiting for you to come out there and solve their problem and help them be the hero of their own journey? So I love talking about ideal client avatar. And with that being said, I would love to share with the audience that you have a very special gift for them today. And that is your, I guess, what would you call it? It's your tool to break down. It's a cheat sheet, a guide. Yeah. A tool on how to identify your ideal client avatar. And I looked at it this morning and it's really good, really great questions. So listeners head over to Maureen's website, which she will give you in a minute and it will be in the show notes as well to download that as well as other great resources that you have. And then one last question for you. So tell us a little bit how you work with your clients. Do you do, is it like group coaching? Is it like a mastermind? Is it one-on-one? Tell us a little bit about like how you're working with these women to help them identify these pillars and implement these pillars and then grow to a seven figure business. Awesome. Happy to. So first, if you'd like to download the free guide, you just need to go to Maureen Borza, B-O-R-Z-A.com. I figured I wouldn't torture everyone with Borzicello. <laughs> so just go to MaureenBorza.com. You can scroll down and you'll see right there that there is a download button for creating or enhancing your ideal client avatar. Because sometimes when we make our business plan or we start out, we've got a little bit of this work done, but this takes a really deep dive into the demographics, psychographics, and you know what keeps your clients up at night so that you can speak to the problem that you're solving. And then as far as how I work with clients, I do a couple of different things. On the free kind of pay it forward side. I have the Real Talk podcast with Maureen Borzicello, where not only do I share information, tips, and insights, but I actually am the curator of other amazing experts. And I bring, just like you do, I bring guests on all the time that can bring value to the audience. So we've got some of that. We also have a free Facebook group. The website will kind of direct you to all those different parts and pieces. How I work with my clients is either in a one-on-one coaching situation. I do work with a handful of amazing women on an executive coaching level. And then I also have developed a few courses. The first one is launching and it is the Sales and Marketing Academy. And what I wanted to focus on was the biggest piece of the puzzle. You know, as I said before, without revenue, how can you move the needle forward without profitability, without a concrete marketing plan? How do you move your business forward? And I will tell you, when I started out years and years ago, I just marketed Back in the day, you marketed like your features and benefits, and you didn't really take as deep of a dive into the ideal customer. And 
it really was when we were able to hone in on that, that made a huge difference in how we grew and scaled, how we spoke to them, how we engaged with them. So I am imploring everyone, this is the most important thing you'll ever do for your business. It is just mass critical. And if you can get this right, I promise you, you will probably 10x your business. And that's a pretty bold statement, but I have seen it firsthand myself and with the women that I coach and work with. Yeah. So that is the primary ways that we work. We're looking to get back to doing a couple of marquee events. We have them planned. We may start with a virtual event in May or June. So that's kind of a TBD. I'm talking to some great people. Maybe we'll even bring you in, Robin. I'd love it. Yeah, do a (laughs) workshop. You know, again, like I, I feel like I'm a contributing expert. I can help people tremendously and I love connecting people and curating and facilitating the connections to other great women so that we can all raise each other up and help each other get to whatever finish line it is that we want. I love that. So beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed you sharing your story and oh my goodness, the wisdom and just a wealth of information you shared today. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, Robin. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.